My goal is to make people laugh and to feel uplifted because the world is just so heavy. And so if I can lighten someone and make them laugh, that, that's just, for me, that's just what I want. I can't wait for you to meet today's guest. You've heard a little bit about her dream, and let me tell you, she absolutely makes it come true in the book that she wrote, and she inspires me and hopefully you to make your dreams come true too. Let's keep calm and mother on. Mothering is way too important to do alone and way too serious to be serious all the time. My name is Christy Thomas, and I am here shoulder to shoulder with you, mothering and enjoying life together. This is the podcast where you can focus on being mindful and taking a deep breath with me and learning new things so you can pause and savor the amazing life you already have. I am so excited today to welcome Camille Smithson. I found you on Instagram, I think because of a hashtag of middle grade books is how I think we connected. I think that's right. That was fun. Um, not really sure anymore, but you inspire me and I wanted to make sure I had you on as a guest. My 14 year old and my nine year old and I have just read your new book, Dragon Pox, and my kids blew through it so fast that I knew I needed to have you on because you're an author, but also a mom to four great kids. You're so sweet. First of all, <laughs> yes, it was middle grade. And you actually had, I was brand new to Instagram. I had never done Instagram, but my publisher had encouraged it because, you know, that's how you meet people. Mm-hmm. And you you liked my thing and I started cyber stalking you. So there you go. <laughs> Because I was like, who's this person? I have like a non-family member who is on my Instagram. We were the first person that I noticed that way, which actually probably makes me sound a little lame, but that's okay. We'll just, that's No, that, I um, mean, that's how this I, world works though, right? Right. That's how we make connections. And then I had found, I think you had just posted a podcast that just connect, that um, just spoke to me. And I loved it, shared it with all of my mom friends. And, and anyhow, that's how... I think I met you and um, Dragon Pox did just come out. I love that your kids loved it so much. So thank you. That makes me feel so good. Yeah, they devoured it. And then they were like, Mom, can you ask her right now when the next book is coming out? And unfortunately, <laughs> right, like books like babies take time to grow. So it it's not time. instantaneous. I wish it was because I have to write another one, right? That's uh-huh. how this works. And I'm going, oh, okay. I got this, but it's so much fun. I love it so much. So let's talk about this. Have you are a writer and you've wrote this awesome middle grades book about glitch science and it's got a dragon in it and a brother and a sister and it's just fun and wholesome and an adventure. Um, but how did you start writing? Were you always a writer? Oh, I love this question and I hope, I hope I know the answer. I started writing when I was little, right? I was one of those kids that wrote uh, insanely long papers for their their class assignments. And other kids would be like, do we have to write a Camille paper or can we just write like paragraph, <laughs> right? I actually remember someone saying that. And I had this really awful uh, story about uh, like a mom cat that had 15 cats and they had to each have like a name that starts with a J. There are not 15 names that makes sense to start with J, but I made it work, right? And then sometime in my life, I, I don't actually, I can't pinpoint when or where 
I, I wanted to be an author, but at some point I uh, had the misconception idea that creative jobs, they're not practical. And so I stopped. I actually got a, a degree in engineering. I'm a civil engineer. And um, I stopped letting myself do those things, right? I still, I, I'm a musical person, so I still played the piano and things like that, but I didn't write for a career. And then um, I moved to Utah. I, I still fantasized about writing. I would go for runs and think up stories and then tell myself that you're not allowed to do that. That's not practical. Uh, authors must live on some magical fairy island somewhere that I just don't belong to. And one of my neighbors uh, was a writer. And so she was, um, she's also an editor. She had been editing for years and went to a writing conference where she was inspired to write. Yeah. And she let me beta read for her. And then I was like, wait a second. You mean that this is like you write and I want to write? <laughs> I can write? I was, I mean, we're talking, this was about seven, eight years ago. So I had lived this whole chunk of my life thinking that writing and being creative, that's yeah. just not practical and you shouldn't do that. I don't know where that that messaging came from. So anyhow, so I beta read for her and gave her all my thoughts and stuff. And then the stories just started coming. And so that's when I started writing and it's it's been good. It's been a journey, though, because I think because I had that that idea mindset that mm -hmm. um, writing and creative um, careers aren't practical. I had to go through a very long and I think I'm still in this process uh, growth period where I had to tell myself it was OK. Right. Like it's OK for me to be spending this time creating. Uh, there were times where I felt guilty because, oh, I, that this creating time, I'm I'm not making money from it at the time, you know, when I started right. I just doing it and it's taking time away from my family. Right. This my was my next question, but so, this is a magical yeah. story. I'm so glad it started with you <laughs> thinking you couldn't do it. Like you are giving someone else's fears, like a moment to pop up or like their hidden dreams, oh, yeah. a moment to pop up here because... We get sold yeah. that that bill. I started off as an engineering student and I switched to education. Um, like Did so you? often, oh, I, I think that happens, right? Like we want to be a professional. Right. We want to take charge. We want to do the right things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and the mindset that, you know, you have to, I, I don't know, super practical. I In fact, it's funny. I actually, before I went into engineering school, I um, so I wanted to be a writer and then I wanted to be a song composer right because i'm very like i was right, very musical. musical in high school i played lots of instruments in band i was going to compose music specifically for disney this was my dream at the time and then uh I, I got to college and it was that seems hard because that's like the creative path is super risky mm -hmm. right like i could very easily like I, I guess failing at the time, I didn't think of it that way, but like that would be hard and it's probably not going to happen. Engineering is safe. Like somehow engineering was easier. <laughs> right. There's a million yeah, job a opportunities, even if they end yeah. up boring, you can yes, always get a job in it. It's easier path. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. So anyhow, but the guilt thing is real. The feeling that I'm doing something that is taking away from my family or is not providing, like, should I be spending my time doing something else? I, that was, I still struggle with that sometimes, but 
at the beginning, that was a real struggle. And I had conversations with my husband where I was like, am I doing the wrong thing? Am I, you know, and, and he would just say, is it making you happy? Because if it's making you happy, then it's the right thing. And I love that about him because it would have been very easy, I think, for for him to, you know, say, well, it's not really providing anything for the family or whatever, yeah. but it was. It's providing, I, I you know, it was a release from stress or anxiety. It was, it was a creative outlet and it, and it showed my kids, like I have creative children that being creative is, is so important. And I love that. Absolutely. So, so how old were they when you started writing? When you, when you got back in touch with this, right? You already were a mom. Right. Yes. Oh yes. My oldest right now is 14. My youngest is eight. So my youngest was probably like a year, year and a half. He was at that age where he got into everything. Oh, yeah. When poison control is on speed dial. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And you can only write when he's sleeping so that you don't accidentally like, I don't know. Uh He's so funny. He was into everything. So, (laughs) yeah, that's that's when I started writing, which is fun. I am so glad that you've wrestled with this and that you can share that you're still wrestling with it. Like, it's not easy to take this time, right? Like even yeah. as potential income streams in from selling books, right? Like it's not a millionaire proposition for most oh, no. people who are creatives, but it does release this wholehearted version of you, right? Like your kids get a much better, healthier mom because you're doing mm-hmm. this. Yeah, so true. Um, it, it is a wrestle anytime you know, my kids, I love them to pieces, but they do have moments where we all have moments where we're like, mm-hmm. I want all the attention, right? Yeah. And now that I am writing to deadlines, sometimes I have to be selfish again and be like, you know, a mom has this deadline. So I try to fa- to t- schedule in, like, let mom write or edit for this amount of time. And then look, we're going to do this thing. Or, or, or um, with my last edits, I just finished editing um, ditch the glitch, which is the sequel to Dragon Pox, and um, my deadline was really tight. Um, and I did schedule in some times where we spent time together. My kids actually helped me plot out some parts of that book, so oh, they're fun. super invested. Because it's middle grade, I did yeah. ask him like, okay, if this happened, what's the silliest things? And we came up with some fun things. So when I finished editing, I read the whole book out loud to see if I had any mistakes that sometimes, sometimes when you read things out loud, you hear mm-hmm. uh, patterns that are different or you notice things easier. And my 12 year old finished the book with me. She helped me edit the last four chapters. So I think Aww. I include, I include them as much as I can. And that helps with the mom guilt because I'm not just like shutting them out from this part of my, my life. Like they're involved and they're included, which helps. So I don't know. Did that answer your question? Yeah, this is great. So how did you get into middle grade when you started writing again? How did you end up here? Because middle grade books, for those that don't know it, um, how would you define it? Like third through sixth grade reading material or second through like they're chapter books, but they're not like there's no romance or besides a crush, maybe like maybe a crush. Yeah. So there's actually for middle grade, that's kind of a bigger umbrella in my eyes because there's younger middle grade, which is like the the second to fifth um, Mm -hmm. 
grade reading level. Yeah. And then there are middle grade books that are a lot larger, a little meatier, and those would be for your older kids. Kind of a transition between chapter books and YA, which okay. gets into the deeper plots. Mm-hmm. My book is a younger middle grade. Um, when I started writing, actually, I jumped into uh, clean romance, which is <laughs> obviously not where I'm writing right now. Um, I have three novellas that are published in um, anthologies that are clean romance, okay. just sweet romance. Yeah. I loved um, I loved mystery books, but I honestly, this sounds sad, I didn't think I was smart enough to write mystery books. I I don't know why I'm so negative on myself sometimes, but I think it's because they're just so clever and I'm I'm thinking it I wouldn't be able to build that up. But I loved cozy romance or cozy mysteries had that romantic kind of mm-hmm. feel to it. And so I had jumped into that. But when I go running, it's actually kids' stories that come to my mind. And so Dragon Pox kind of started in the background. Um, it was originally going to be for a contest. It was flash fiction. You're supposed to tell a story in a thousand words. And so I had a story of a little boy who hatches a dragon. And the uh, the piece that I wrote was from right before the egg hatches to him finding out it was a dragon and running out to a barn. And I submitted it to some beta readers that were helping me with the contest. And every single one of them said, this is a first chapter. I want to know what happens next. <laughs> and, and so I was like, well, what does happen next? And I spent uh, some fun time coming up with a, a storyline for it. The book that's published now is not actually the original story. Okay. I have rewritten that story so many times, but it was that was where it came from. That's awesome. So when you run, that's where inspiration comes. Are you a runner then? I think so. I do love running. So yeah, running and showering. Showering? Did I say yeah, that right? Showering, yeah, showering. Yeah. It's funny when I, you're I saying a word on recording and you're like, did I say that wrong? Did I've totally that done right? that a hundred times. Like, <laughs> Yes. But yeah. running and showering, yeah. that's where your ideas come yes. from. Were they even, were you like that when you're a little kid too? Or is this like the new process of being a full adult? This, is, this must be my adult process because I think I was allergic to running when I was a little kid. <laughs> like hardcore allergic to it. And I didn't start running until after my first was born. And I, I like it. It's a big part of my life. I love it. it's my mom time out like people talk about um running pace and I was like yeah you don't understand like I'm running for quiet and like serenity so like even if my pace is slow that means I've got more of that time out there right (laughs) like yeah like I'm not running for that speed record I'm running to like have a spot to distance myself and define myself again Right. I'm running. Yeah. For me. And uh, there have been times actually before I started running. Sorry, before I started writing, running was my outlet. And I remember one night my husband had worked super late and um, I kind of was cranky the next morning. I, I woke up a lot during the night worried about him just because he was gone so late. Yeah. And the next morning I was like slamming stuff in the kitchen because <laughs> I was cranky, which I should have been. I don't know. I was just cranky. And he's like, honey, you need to go for a run. And I kind of fought him on it for a little bit because I was like, no, you you need to sleep. I'll take care of this. Uh-huh. Goes, no, we'll go for a run. I came home. And I was like, I love you. I'm hugging all my kids. It's totally running. what happens. What running was for me, right? It's just like, I don't know. I come back. It's totally different. My <laughs> nine-year-old literally told me the other day, mom, you're cranky. Have, did you run yet? <laughs> like, you're cranky. Uh, Because I tell them now, like I fully disclose it because, uh, you know, 
I think that's part of why I want to keep running too. Like I run for the endorphins and the mental burst of it as much as I run for the physical benefits, right? Of exercise, but mostly I want to model the mental health benefits of it for them. Yes. Cause that's what it's keeps so me showing up. Yep. I agree. That's how I am too. For sure. And especially with, with girls and like all the things, there are so many messages I had to overcome in order to embrace running as a, as a habit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Isn't that true? It's so true. <laughs> so, so you have, do you have a set schedule? How did you let yourself start writing? So you entered a contest. Did you find contests at the beginning? Is that what let you dabble? So at the beginning, I found a writing group and I fully encourage anyone who is writing or I think just in creative circles in general, having a group of people who are interested in the same thing, it makes it feel like well, first of all, that it's okay, right? I don't mm-hmm. know why in my mind it wasn't okay until I had a group of people, but then all of a sudden it was okay. You weren't alone. Um, my writing. Yeah. Right. Yes. That's so true. I had. Um, you could write neighbors. and have an ordinary life and not be a millionaire on an island already. Oh my goodness. Yes. Which, I, yeah, I'm not going to be a millionaire on an island anytime soon, but I still have my people. Uh huh. Right. The, um, the other people um, in my writing group are all moms. Um, different aged kids, yeah. some of them older, some of them younger, but they were living the same life I was. Um, not only that, they were fantastic for feedback and brainstorming and like, you know, we helped each other. I feel like, you know, the author's name is on that book, but there's right. so many people, right? Mm-hmm. And I, if I could put all of their names on the book with me, I, I probably probably would so anyhow i i met this group people absolutely love them how did you find them writing together um one of them was that neighbor i was telling okay. you about that was an editor she lived a street over actually i must live in writing central because all of a sudden when i wanted to become an author yeah everyone on my street and neighborhood seemed to be writing something i i didn't know that there was a whole that's bunch of so them. cool great. right it's like when you're so, about to buy yeah. a car and you start seeing that car everywhere Right. Yes. It's just like that. All so all of a sudden you gave yourself permission to be it. a writer and you started hearing. There's writers everywhere. Yes. So one of them, uh, one of my writing friends lives two doors down across the street, literally right there. And then um, just a couple others that were in the neighborhood. We got together, we wrote, we shared stuff. Um, and then I, the first thing I ever had published was, like I said, it was mm-hmm. a romantic comedy. It was a Christmas romantic comedy. And that one was, it was a contest type scenario. There was a publishing house that was purposely putting together an anthology and put out a request for some stories. And a friend of mine that I had met at a writing conference was said, if you do it, I'll do it. And so I was <laughs> Positive like, peer pressure. Sure. Right. And I wasn't writing a Christmas story. I had nothing in mind. And the the timeline on it was three months. You had three months to write, edit, and submit the story of like 20,000 words. And so I did and they accepted it. And I, I think having them accept my work made me feel like, because I wasn't, I'm going to back up. I didn't actually feel like I was a very good author, right? And and I didn't feel like I was ready to send it to agents or send it mm-hmm. out to publishers or whatever. But 
but having them accept my work all of a sudden made it like real. Like, yeah, I actually, someone else validated it that knew what they were doing and they knew what they were doing. And that opened the door to this idea of, okay, I could do this. And the second story I published was also with that same publishing house. And, um, and then after that, I, I guess, I mean, rejection's still real. People can still, you know, say something's not good. You're going to get that, I think, in anything you do. Mm-hmm. Someone's not going to like it. And that just means that you're not there. They're not your audience. That's not who you're writing to. And that's okay. But um, sometimes having that validation makes it so that you're comfortable going forward. I don't know that. I mean, Dragon Fox was in the works at the time. I actually put it on the back burner to write that romantic comedy yeah. for that story. Um, but I wasn't, I kept telling myself like every New Year's, my goal this year is to finish Dragon Pox. <laughs> and then I would get scared and I wouldn't do it. So right? how many years and did so, it take for this beautiful book to come out? Um, I I think I spent four or five years on Dragon Pox. Like it took me a long time. It wasn't, it was kind of on the back burner. So it wasn't like I worked on that one straight. Mm-hmm. The other three romances that were published, all were published in that time period. Yeah. Um, the pandemic is what actually sparred me to finish it. Uh-huh. When when the pandemic hit and my kids all came home. So before the pandemic, they all went to public school. Now I homeschool them. So they're always around me and we have mm-hmm. fun that way. But when they got home, I didn't know what to do with everything that was going on. So yeah. we put up we put up a big fort in my living room we made, um, <laughs> out of PVC pipes. That's awesome. And, yeah. Like, big sheets and we wrapped a bunch of twinkle lights and I had printed dragon pox uh, in paper and we all were under the fort and I edited it while they read books. That's awesome. At that moment, it was like, this needs to finish. Like everyone was just, all my kids read it with me and they were in love and I just needed to finish it. And so that's actually what made me like really spend time on editing it and getting it ready to go out and um, I had it ready and submitted to a publisher by the end of the year so there you go pandemic for the win I guess you know sometimes that slowing down to allow the creative process right like yeah so you've mentioned a couple times like a writer I think about my kids and when they write a lot right for school projects and writing seems like such an independent solitude task but you've mentioned multiple times that it's like you've got a whole bunch of people that are reading and giving you feedback like it's not this magical type 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 on the keyboard print it out once sort of thing no there's a lot of fun um, brainstorming and synergy. I love brainstorming with my kids and get them all excited and then bounce off ideas. Same thing with um, writing groups. I've been super blessed to have writing groups that love to plot chat and to like, you know, you have an idea and someone else says, but what if you add this? And then you're like, <laughs> maybe it, maybe it's something you want to add or maybe it's sparks a different idea, right? Mm -hmm. But that synergy is so important. And I think, you know, we picture writers as, like you said, like the solo act where Mm -hmm. they're like reclusive up in the mountains by themselves or that magical fairy island I was talking about Yeah, with the millionaire family that just lets you write all day and have servants bring you food. Because that's how I imagined authors worked. That, that, 
I love that. <laughs> I actually think that that's how I imagined them too. So yeah, it's, it's, I think we all need community and writers, you know, I think if you're a creative person, you need community. It's so important. Absolutely. Well, this is so much fun to hear how this unlocked for you and how finding people made such a big difference. Just knowing that it was an option, it sounds like. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I don't know. I don't know why I didn't think it was an option. I mean, it just at some point I was taught to believe or just came up with the misconception that creative jobs are practical. Right. And if it's not practical, it's not worth your time. And I think that's really sad. There's a lot of things that are creative that are definitely worth our time. You know, beauty is worth our time. Yeah. So, uh, so if one of your kids says, mom, I want to be an author like you, how do you, what Mm -hmm. advice would you give them? How do you not shut that down in that kid? I'm sure someone listening has a kid with a notebook full of stories or a Google doc, right? That they can't stop writing. Um, Right. That's such a tricky question because, you know, the practical side of my brain (laughs) wants to say, well, that's a great, like, it's seriously, it's a great path. And I don't want to shut it down. And the other part of my brain is like, okay, but how are you going to support your family? Right. I don't know why Uh my brain still does that. I, I did listen to an author once talk. Um, I think he was talking to a room full of authors about a man who came to him and said, I, I quit my job. I'm going to be a writer. And he had said that he, um, this particular author is very successful. He has lots of middle grade books that are super successful. He goes on the book tours, but he even said that he has a job and then he writes like, so yeah. I don't know. That's very tricky. Um, I have creative children. My daughter likes to paint and she's a very talented artist. And I love that for her. And I want her to to do that as much as she wants. But I also really want her to be a successful person. So I haven't figured out. I fully understand. I'm only asking because I've got kids that are super musical. And we keep having uh-huh. this conversation about like... Yes, this is like obviously a core passion of you and a big part of yeah. who you are. But as a mom, I don't know how to have these conversations about colleges and these things that are on the horizon right. um, and and feel safe. But maybe it's not my job to feel safe. Motherhood is not very right. safe feeling. It isn't. And I think at the end of the day, right, we all have the opportunity to choose our path and who you know, who my children turn out to be. Obviously, I guide them mm-hmm. and I want the, what's best for them. But it's also important for them to choose the path that they go on. And so, you know, I as far as like my very creative and artistic children, I still want that, right? Like, yeah. so I encourage it. I buy the supplies. I do yep. the things, right? But then you the drive them time, to the I places, also, you point right? it out, you encourage it. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm, you know, I also try to point out the other things that they're gifted at so that they can see that they have a variety of talents, right? My, I'm going to use the same daughter as an example. Um, my 14 year old, super artistic painting, also very, very intelligent debater. Mm-hmm. And like, so I like to, you know, she's got this strong package. Yeah. Yes. But it's easy, I think, to see 
only a few things and then to like focus on the weaknesses, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, I don't want, I, I don't want to tell her what to be when she grows up. I want her to make that decision, which is so hard, right? Because I, I also want her to be successful, <laughs> but I want her to make those decisions. And so I just like to point out all of her strengths and she does tend to focus on her weaknesses. I think that's just so common. It is. Especially for teenagers. But yeah. That comparison game is super strong at that age group. It is. It's so, it's so strong. The publishing conversation is a big one, especially if you're a mom who's kind of doing this on the side, fitting writing into all the other things of life. So when you have the story, how did you decide how to get it published? How did you go with this? So, okay. I had dragon pox ready and it was in the middle of the pandemic, 2020, all of the writing conferences went virtual. Okay. And, um, there's a writing conference down in Arizona called the American night writers association that I wanted to go to. Um, I had been planning on going to that conference in 2020 for years because that was the year my son was going to be in kindergarten. Oh, right. Yeah. Cause you're a full mom mode. Yeah. All right? your kids are going to so, be like at school during the day. So, so it's easier for to, backup yes, childcare. Was, yes. Cause it's out of town. I don't live in Arizona. I would have to travel. And, but in my mind, he would only, <laughs> my husband would only have to find help for certain hours. Right. Because, just well, get them to school the and then someone can get them after school before you get home from work. Yeah. Right. 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 The and mom juggle. <laughs> the mom. Yes. It's, it's alive and well, right. You have to think of all that stuff. So I had been planning for years. That was the year I was going to go to this conference. And then at the beginning of the year, before the pandemic started, my, my dad had told me that he had this big family thing and it was that same weekend and he wanted all of us to be there. Oh, and no. so I had, I had mentally and emotionally, um, purposely said never mind like I put it on hold yeah and then then the world shut down and um my my dad's uh, event had to be canceled just like everything else (laughs) and American Night Writers Association's conference went virtual so I was like okay I guess I'll do this and I so I signed up for the conference knowing full well that I was going to be doing it from my house and um Lolly Publishing was one of the sponsors and they said that they were going to do free, free pitch sessions. And I had already told myself I wasn't going to sign up for any pitches. I wasn't going to sign up for any like author. I was just going to do this conference. But when the email came that said free pitch sessions for middle grade, it was, they do picture book for middle grade. Okay. I, I was inspired instantly to sign up for this pitch section. And then I was like, why am I doing this? Okay. So I signed up for a pitch session and the day I was supposed to pitch to Lolly, I was freaking out and I was looking at my pitch and I was going, this is going to be a terrible experience because I had never pitched to an agent and had it be a good experience, right? It's always been stressful and I say the wrong things and whatever. And then I had this feeling of calm and this thought that they are going to like your story. And so I went into pitch session feeling very at ease pitched my story. They instantly said they loved it. They would like to have a copy of it so they could read it and see, you know, if it was going to fit. They asked me a bunch of questions about it. And I asked them for a little bit more time because I was editing just one more round of editing. And then I sent it to them and I instantly knew they were going to want it. 
But then, of course, I had to wait for them to read it, and and then all the doubts came back. Like waiting is so hard. <laughs> waiting and waiting allows your brain to play so many tricks on you, right? So then I. I was freaked out and then I told myself it's going to be fine. It's probably never going to be published. Or I, I actually started looking for other places to submit it because I had polished it up. So I made a list of other places I could submit it. And right when I was about to write letters to those people, I got a contract for Lolly. And, and I reminded myself, like I had that memory of you always knew that this was the path. So it's kind of funny because I, I didn't seek them out. I didn't know anything about them before this conference. But everything about them just felt right. And I do love Lolly. They've done a great job, not just with Dragon Fox, but in general, they write and publish books that are clean, wholesome books for children. And I, I just love the, the thing that they're, the thing, that's a terrible word, the approach. That yeah, their approach so, and their anyhow. mission, right? Like there's so yeah. many books. We, we are, I think, indeed living in like the golden age of children's publishing. Like, yes. you know, there are, there are books every, every Tuesday getting published yes. that are amazing and, uh-huh. and then maybe not so amazing, but there's volumes of books now that you have to sort through to find right? a good book for your kid. There are so many books, which actually is, is a good thing for writers. If anyone's listening that wants to write, there's right. a place on the shelf for everyone's book. I don't think that just because there are more books out means that there is not a need for someone's story because everyone that has a short story to, to share yeah. has a spot on the shelf, right? And so I just love that. It's a great time to be a writer. I love that you just shared that. That's such a good... We all need to hear that a little bit more, that there's a spot for us on the shelf. Like just because something's already been done maybe a million times or there's a million books of something like your book isn't out there. So it's still worth doing. Right. Right. And we all have our, our stories or our voice or, or our life expect, expectancy experience. Yeah. I, I'm an author. I believe in editing. So the words that come out of my mouth aren't always what I want <laughs> ah, anyhow, but my this is, is why a podcast. Like, I believe in editing too, Camille. <laughs> right, editing is so important. <laughs> oh my word! I usually, um, I would usually come up with how I would have said things later and go, "Oh, I can't fix that now." <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Anyhow, yeah. I, but my point was, we all have different experiences that we bring to the stories, yeah. right? And so you see different point of views. You can, you can, you know live different stories and and understand each other better. I don't know. I just think it's beautiful. Yeah. It's such a good time to be alive. I'm really glad I get yes. to parent right now. I mean, I'm sure mm-hmm. my parents thought it was a good time to parent then, but, but it, even with all the chaos that's out there, that's outside of my control, it's a pretty good time to be alive. It is. I love that. Thank you for that reminder. Well, how are you taking care of yourself with all this chaos and all your goals and writing another book and homeschooling four kids, right? What does your self-care look like? Uh, Okay. I love this question and I had to think about it because I was like, how do I care for myself? And I think self-care for me is going outside. So the, the idea that I had when you asked that question beforehand was that you know, going outside, if you can, mm-hmm. put your feet in the grass. Like, I don't know. There's something magical about sunshine and the grass 
and just like soaking it in for a minute. That helps me so much. Um, and then reading a book, which you can do those two things together. <laughs> you can go outside, put your feet in the grass and read a book. Uh, I just love it. So that's, that's what I think is a good self care. I love that. What's the, what's a really good book that you recommend for people to read? Oh, that's such a hard question. Every time someone asks me what's my favorite book, I think, how can you ask that question? It's so like it's not like your favorite, favorite book. Like what's a most recent book that you read? And you're like, yeah, someone else should read that one. Okay. I'm currently reading The Last Bookshop in London by Madeline Martin. Okay. I'm not all the way through it. I'm about halfway. It's about World War II. The main character lives. She just moved to London right before the war starts. Like okay. they know the war is going to start. And it's been really good. I loved it so far. I can't tell you how I'm going to love the yeah, You can't yet, spoil it. I so think, yeah, you don't right? know. <laughs> well, I don't even know. So right. That's awesome. All of us, but that's what I'm currently reading. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, how are you having fun as a family? I know that sometimes it's hard to juggle all the things and to make time for fun. But when you have fun, how, are, how do you have fun? We have fun. We are crazy. We have fun doing crazy things. So we like to mountain bike. But my um, my youngest son decided to be extra crazy this summer and fell from a playground and broke his arm. So all of like the summer, I know it's the first I've made it 14 and a half years without anyone breaking anything. And yeah, he, he fell the very beginning of summer. I was going to take them to the pool all summer. I bought passes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That kind of didn't happen, but that's okay. So usually fun for us would be to be outside hiking and, um, mountain biking or swimming, that kind of stuff, especially because it's summer. But because we are not able to do all that, my family fun suggestion, obviously, if you can do all that, do that. But if you can't, we like to play charades. So it's super fun, easy. You don't actually have to have anything except for a piece of paper. We write down some of the fun characters that my kids like. You know, they like all of the Avenger type characters. And then we write down um, just like silly things like flying a kite or helicopter, whatever, write yeah. down a million ideas, cut them up, put them in a hat and then let them take turns trying to act them out. It's hilarious. Some of the things that they do to act them out. So that's our favorite go-to game that you don't have to have any supplies for. I just love it. I love it. We haven't heard charades in a while. So this is like a great family fun and you can do it anywhere. Like you can tear up the, the placemat at a restaurant or like it's an on the go game. If you're stuck somewhere on the go, it's a, if you uh, all of a sudden have a bunch of kids over that you weren't anticipating and they tell you they're bored. (laughs) Charade. Bam. Like anything. I usually pull it out for the weirdest, you know, Christmas party or at the school, you know, and you have to come up with an activity for the class and you can't think of an charade. You can do trades for anything. So there you go. There you go. Well, thank you so much. Where should people find you, Camille? Uh, I am now on Instagram. Yes, you are. (laughs) I'm on on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I do have a website. It's CamilleSmithsonAuthor.com. Okay. I need to update it and make it look funner because I think it's geared towards my romantic comedy audience. And 
I need some middle grade stuff on there. You need some so, dragon yeah, pox. I need some dragon pox on there and some science stuff. That'll be fun. Well, excellent. Yeah, we will good. link all of those things in the show notes. And I am just so delighted we got to connect this way. You are exactly the right mom for your kids. And I am so glad to host you here today. Oh, you're so awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing about creativity. So often we have these hidden dreams that we don't let ourselves think about until until someone else says, oh, I do that. And then, and then right. you can do it too. That's my favorite part of Instagram right now is, um, in the past week, I'm sure you've seen, like I'm painting flowers up a storm right now because I saw a tutorial, right? Cause someone else was doing it. So that means I can do it too. <laughs> I know. And I've been looking at your flowers and thinking, I need to do that. Yeah. That's so, so simple. So Just do it. Right. Like that's, that's the magic of, right. of being brave enough to try it and share it. So thanks for sharing. Thank you. I have no doubt about it that you are also exactly the right mom for your kids and that every day you are surrounded by sprinkles of evidence that you're just right for them. So when you go to bed tonight, look for the proof. And if you're feeling unsure about this whole parenting thing, reach out because for the next month, I'm going to offer a couple different opportunities to take an introduction to a positive discipline parenting class with me. I'm excited to bring you these tools. So just shoot me an email or message me on Instagram. If you're listening in real time as this is released, the first one is on Wednesday, September 21st at 12 p.m. noon standard, Eastern Standard Time. So if that works for you, please make sure to reach out to me because it's right around the corner. And I am so glad you're here on Earth. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening and have a great day.